What's going on, guys? Welcome in to another edition of How to Be a Realtor. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I'm so excited about today's episode. This is going to be our kickoff episode. And this is a project, you guys, that has been in the works for years. I've been in the real estate industry myself for over a decade. And this project, it might be 20 episodes, it might be 300 episodes, we don't know. But the idea is to pass on some of the lessons that I learned growing up in real estate, starting out just being a baby showing agent, becoming a principal broker, making the Forbes Real Estate Council, owning my own brokerage, getting into agent attraction, all of those different things scaling out of production. A lot of the things that we often hear about in real estate, but very few people actually get to make happen. So this is going to be, again, a combination of lessons that I learned. And at the same time, things that I wish I would have learned 10 years ago when I first started doing this, despite good training that I had, I think that think that there were a lot of things that I could have learned that could have shortened the learning curve even more. So before we get into today's episode, the meat and potatoes, this podcast is sponsored by Gold Bar, the Gold Bar real estate training system. So Gold Bar is a real estate training platform designed with one goal in mind to make real estate simple. Their proprietary three-stage training process provides agents with the confidence and certainty they need to hit their goals. Their goal is to grow Gold Bar to 10,000 agents worldwide and become the gold standard in real estate training. So for more information, you can visit www.goldbartraining.com. They are phenomenal. They have probably the best system CRMs, SOPs that I have seen in the industry. Check them out. They are the best. So now let's get into this episode. And the title of this episode is From Rookie to Rockstar. Okay, navigating your first year in real estate, which for a lot of people uh, is difficult. And if you've been in the business for a while, you know, you understand that the first year can be incredibly hard and it can be incredibly hard for a couple of reasons. Number one, you very quickly realize that the things that you were taught in real estate school aren't going to help you sell real estate. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's just the way it goes. I mean, you spent all this time learning about plat maps and learning all these different things and terms, but the reality is at the end of the day, very little of that is actually going to help you transact. And at least when I got my license, I came in thinking I was ready. I came in thinking I was ready to go. I was going to make a ton of money. And I think a lot of you will be able to relate to that because this is an industry that is full of hope. And I often say this to my students when I, when I teach full of hope, not only for the buyer and the seller that are making and transacting the biggest investment in their lives in most cases, but also for the agents because the agents get into real estate thinking that real estate is how you get rich. I mean, we've heard people say that millionaires are made in real estate. Millionaires are made in real estate. So we think, okay, I want a slice of that pie. So we get our license. We're motivated. We take our test. We get licensed. Now what? And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. Now I want to highlight some of the challenges, but also the exciting things of entering into the real estate industry as a new agent, especially in today's day and age, because there are so many more tools now than there were a decade ago. Even though a decade ago, we still had the internet. There's so much technology with AI, different platforms that have evolved that really all it takes is a little bit of education, a little bit of elbow grease, and not even so much as you had to do 
20, 30 years ago to be successful. I mean, I often am baffled at how difficult it must have been to transact real estate pre-internet. I mean, just think about that. Before the internet, now we have the luxury of GPS. I don't know how the hell people did showings without a GPS. I get lost with a GPS sometimes. I can't imagine pulling out the map and having to do the routes. And what if you take a wrong turn? I mean, it just would have been a nightmare to say nothing of actual contracts. I mean, back in the day, you had those thick little uh, pads where it was the white copy and the yellow copy and the blue copy and the pink copy. And you had to hand deliver everything everywhere unless you were balling and you had like a fax machine. You had to hand deliver everything. Everything had to be hand signed. You had to go to the person's house. Now we just use DocuSign and who cares? We just send it. It's so much easier now. So I want to break today's episode up into some segments, okay? And really there are nine specific segments that I want to break this down into. So you might have to listen to this in clips. You might have to come back. That's fine. But I want to go over this because this first year in real estate is critical. It's absolutely critical because of the statistics. 75% of real estate agents fail after one year. 75%. That's crazy. That's such a high failure rate. But the encouraging thing is that we know why that happens. We absolutely know why that happens. And that's what we're going to be breaking down. So point number one, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit and set some expectations if you are new in this real estate game. Number one is you have to embrace the learning curve. You have to embrace the learning curve. You have to understand that you're coming into a new industry that already has big, successful players in it. You have to understand that every successful realtor starts as a rookie. Everybody was new. And so when you come in, you have to come in with an open mind and a willingness to learn, a willingness to be coached, a willingness to try new things, to get outside of your comfort zone. Because I'll tell you one thing, there's multiple ways to be successful in this business when it comes to actually getting leads, getting clients, doing deals. Some people do social media, some people do email marketing, some people do mailers, others do cold calls. Most do a combination of multiple of those things. But the more skills you can pick up, the better you're going to be. But in order to pick up those skills, you have to try. And it seems basic, but there are a lot of agents that aren't even willing to try the calls. They're not even willing to try doing the open houses and the farming and all of the things that are more traditional, very few are willing to try. But what I found is that there are certain tactics that are tried and true. They're tried and true. Sure. You can build a brand on social media these days. There's a lot that you can do as far as digital marketing is concerned. But in your first year, you have to try everything. And who knows? You may be a phenomenal cold caller. But you'll never know that unless you get on the phones and you actually try. And that's where the importance of the mindset comes in and developing a growth-oriented mindset to overcome the learning curve. And so from my own experience, when I got into real estate, I was very lucky that I had a great mentor. 
So my mentor, his name is Daniel. I was going to say it was Daniel. Is Daniel. And so Daniel was in a very, I would say, what's the word? I don't want to say lucky. I guess, I mean, he was in a very unique situation. So him and I were basically made for each other at that particular moment in time because I did not have a lot going on. I was thinking about going to college, not sure what to do with my life. And he was at a point where he was growing his real estate business and he had more clients than he had time for in terms of going out and showing properties and doing all those things. So he needed a showing agent. He needed somebody that could go, be with the clients, open the doors, answer questions, make appointments, and then as soon as the client wanted to make an offer, then he would kind of take over. And so I had the tremendous benefit of coming in and having people to work with on day one. That is a tremendous benefit. I recognize that. I recognized it from day one. That's the only reason why I got into real estate. Because that was basically the deal. Basically, the deal was, hey, you know what? Everybody struggles with lead gen. Nobody can get clients. That's the number one problem in our industry. You're not going to have to worry about that. Because I have so many that I have tomorrow eight families that you can start showing homes to. So I thought, okay, cool, great, let's do it. And so what I, what I want to get to, which I'm going to talk about later, but it's the importance of landing in the right place. The art of landing in the right place. And this might take a little bit of trial and error for you. You might have to start at one spot, see how you like it, maybe go somewhere else. But as long as you maintain that growth mindset, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Which brings me to point number two, and that's building your foundation. As I mentioned, what you learned in school is probably not going to get you very far. You're not going to sell a lot of homes. Unfortunately, and I am against this, I think this needs to change. I think it's a massive problem inside the real estate industry. Number one, for starters, I think the bar is too low. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that the bar is just too low? It's too easy to become a real estate agent. Anybody can do it. Anybody with 300 bucks can do it. And not only that, but as you go through the course, they don't teach you how to sell. They don't teach you marketing. They don't teach you sales. They don't teach you scripts. They don't teach you anything. Basically, the real estate licensing education ecosystem is designed to keep you from getting sued. That's it. To keep you out of jail. But it's not designed to help you sell more real estate. So you got to build the foundation on your own. And that comes with a ton of study. So that's point number two. Build your foundation. Know your market. Research and understand the local real estate trends. What is happening in your town? And you have to go a little bit deeper than checking the interest rates every other day. You got to know what is happening. Get involved. What are some of the bills that are being proposed, that are being passed? What is being built? What's going on with property taxes? All of those things are going to feed the bucket your knowledge bucket that eventually you're going to be able to share with other people. But the problem is that too many new agents come in and they want to fake it till they make it. 
and they start being flashy or they start doing all these things to try to impress people because they believe that if they can impress people, then people will want to work with them. That's a massive mistake. The foundation that you build has to be genuine. Alex Hormozzi has one of my favorite quotes of all time about genuine confidence. And he says, genuine confidence doesn't come from affirmations. It doesn't come from standing in front of the mirror and repeating how amazing you are and saying, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich. That's, that's not where confidence comes from. Confidence comes from genuine confidence, comes from stacking undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. Just today, I was having a conversation with my wife because she just got a new job at an amazing company, multi-million dollar company, one that I bought products from, she's bought products from, and now she is their, their photographer, their official photographer. And as we're having this conversation, she's excited because she just got the job. And she said something very interesting. She said, I have proof. I now have proof that I can do this job. And I was thinking about that for a second. And I said, that's what it's all about. That's something that nobody can take away. Nobody can take away your experience. Nobody can take away the homework you've done, the work you've put in. And sure, at first, you're not going to have a ton of experience. But if we're looking at this teeter-totter where it's like, okay, I don't have a lot of experience yet. What's the counterbalance? The counterbalance is knowledge, is market expertise. A great example of this in my own market is Michael Perry. Michael Perry is a dude that literally works not even one zip code. He works one chunk of one zip code. That's it. It's a very prominent area in, in Salt Lake City and Salt Lake County. Very expensive homes. One, two, three, four, five million dollar homes. But he knows it like the back of his hand. He knows everything. Every street. Every business owner. The historical precedents. All of it. He knows everything. It's honestly, it's a little exaggerating and a little obnoxious how much he knows about that neighborhood, but he owns that neighborhood. He completely owns that neighborhood. He's been flipping homes in that neighborhood. That is his and they're expensive properties, a million, million point five plus. And he's put in the work. So that's something that nobody can take away. Nobody can say that Michael Perry isn't an expert in that area. So in the same way, you're going to start this business or you're starting this business with no experience. What can you do? And one of the easiest things is to start trying to understand the local trends in your area. The next thing you can do is craft what I call, well, I don't call it, they call it in the industry, your UVP, your unique value proposition. And this is hard for a lot of agents to do, even seasoned agents, even agents that have been in the game for years, never get clarity on this one thing. And it's identifying what sets you apart in a competitive market, especially at the time of this recording, what is it, August, 2023, 
inventory is super low. There's more agents than there are properties on the market, which makes it uber competitive. You are getting into an industry of sharks and there's not a lot of food to go around. So you have to ask yourself, what sets you apart? What makes you different? And here's the thing that you can't say. When somebody asks you, hey, what makes you different? What is it that you have or what? So many agents will often say, oh, I love my clients. I work so hard for my clients. I go above and beyond for my clients. Everybody does that. Everybody does that. That, that, that doesn't make you special. That doesn't make you special. So when you sit down to create this UVP, unique value proposition, really think about what do you have? In one of the upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about how to create a slam dunk offer, which kind of goes into this, but start thinking about that. What makes you different? Or what could make you different? And we're going to get into a slam dunk offer and branding. Those two things are what is going to set you apart. But at least for episode number one, you got to start thinking about that to some degree. Point number three, the art of networking. Networking is key. This business is about who you know. And there are two critical elements when we talk about the art of networking. When it comes to networking, you have to learn how to do it. It's an acquired taste. It's a skill set. And a lot of people don't know how to do it. A lot of people think it's just going out and hanging out with people and just going and getting some drinks. That's not networking. That's not networking at all. Networking is creating relationships where value can be exchanged. And that's the key part where value can be exchanged because you can go drink with people and you may not even talk about real estate. You may not even talk about business or talk about what you've got going on. That's not networking. I'm going to give you specific examples from my own life of how I have grown to be a little bit more effective when it comes to networking. So here are two key points. Number one, leverage your existing network. Those are going to be your first clients. Your first clients are going to be your friends, their friends, your uncle, your aunt, your parents. Those are going to be your first deals. The people that you know. And for some, this is difficult because your family members and your friends, they know that you're new. You might be able to fool strangers, maybe. If you go on social media, you buy the fake Rolex, you take a couple of photos in front of a Lambo, you might be able to fake, fake the funk to people that don't know you. But the people that are close are going to see that photo and they're going to be like, bro, come on. We know that's not real. We know that's not real. And you lose trust. You lose credibility. When people look at that, they roll their eyes and they just keep going. And it's so damaging because those are going to be your first deals. So instead of trying to get fancy with the strangers, focus on providing value for the people that are already there. What can you create? How can you demonstrate to them 
that you're serious about this business, that you're learning, that you're willing to put in the work, that even though you don't have a ton of experience, you've got hustle, you've got grind, you've got determination. That's what's going to get you your first five customers, your first five deals. I promise you. And as time goes on, that existing network that you have will start to grow, which brings me to point number two, which is all about expanding your sphere. You got to get out there and meet new people, which is hard for some. I get it. Some people are introverted or some people are socially awkward or don't like to be around people. I mean, I have a sister-in-law that hates being around humans. It just, it happens. I get it. But in this business, you're not going to survive very long if you try to be a secret agent. You're just not. You got to get over that stuff. And you got to get out there and you got to make friends. You got to make friends. And so whether that means joining networking groups, going to events, joining online communities, whatever that means, you're going to have to get out there a little bit. And one of the ways that I have found that I've taught my students to kind of minimize the anxiety that can often come from going out in public is if we're talking about networking groups, events, online communities, try to find groups that have a common interest with you. It doesn't just have to be about real estate. I would argue, actually, and some agents may not agree with this, but I would argue that you probably shouldn't spend much time hanging out with other agents in the first place. I don't see a lot of value in that. I just don't. Because they're agents too. They're not going to buy a home from you. They're not going to list their house with you. They are an agent. So you're wasting your time. Versus, let's say you love gardening. You love gardening and you go on Facebook and you look up your city's name, gardening group. I guarantee you there's 47 and you jump in and you become a part of the community and you talk about your gardening and you're having fun because you actually like gardening and now you're meeting people and now they've got a meetup and now they've got this event and now they've got this thing and you go and you shake hands and they follow you on social. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm a real estate agent. Can you see how that works? That's how it works. For a time, I really wanted to meet more investors. I really wanted to get in the room with investors. I, I wanted to find a way to meet people that had money. Because what I started doing, this was a mistake, I started getting really obsessed with marketing first-time buyer programs and down payment assistance programs. It was like my thing. I did a bunch of videos about that, and that's all I talked about. And what ended up happening was that I started to get a lot of leads for down payment assistance programs, but what I realized was that a lot of those individuals didn't have money, hence the reason why they needed the down payment assistance program. But not only did they not have money, their credit wasn't great, obviously. They didn't have savings. A lot of them were students. They didn't make a lot of money. They were working at Taco Bell part-time. And so when these people saw my ads for first-time buyer programs, 
They got excited. And they said, oh, that's awesome. I, I'm going to be able to buy my home. I don't have any money, but I guess he says that I don't need money to buy a house. And that's not exactly true. Even if you use a down payment assistance program, you need to be making money. You might be able to avoid giving a large down payment, but you still have to make money. You still have to have the credit and you still have to have the savings and you still have to have all that stuff. The income and the taxes, all that still has to happen. And so I wanted to find a way to meet more investors because I thought, okay, who doesn't have these problems? Who doesn't need down payment assistance? Who is just like, good. And I told myself, okay, it's probably going to be entrepreneurs, business owners, influential people. So how can I get in the room with these people? So what I did was, and this might be extreme, but this is what I did. I literally launched a TEDx chapter. I went through all the trouble of setting up a TEDx chapter in my county. As soon as I did that, every speaker, entrepreneur, business owner, people that were wanted to run for office, everybody wanted to be my friend. Everybody wanted to be my friend because everybody wanted to get on TED. And then I started doing some speaking and then I started getting invited to the events and to the after parties and to this and to that. And so I started meeting the business owners, the people with money, the people that wanted to do the seller finance deals, the people that if there was a seller finance deal that was a good deal and it was $100,000 down, they could buy it tomorrow. And I've done a ton of deals, a ton of seller finance deals with people that are entrepreneurs, maybe don't want to go through all of the hardships of a traditional mortgage but they've got money and they can close on a house in three days. But I had to find a way to get in the room. So that's what I'm talking about. Leverage your existing network and expand your sphere. And the last one for this episode is going to be a part one then it'll be a part two. Part number four is mentorship and education. This was huge for me. Number one, seeking guidance. Finding a mentor that can provide insights and advice and can give you valuable information, can show you the ropes, can actually train you. I got lucky. I didn't have to do that. Daniel just kind of fell in my lap and he taught me everything that I know. And to this day, I'm incredibly grateful. It may not be as easy for you, but you still have to find a mentor. And that may take some trial and error. Maybe someone will seem like they're really good and then they're not. But you have to eventually find a mentor that can provide those insights and advice that can shorten the learning curve. But that's not all. Because it's one thing to find a good mentor, critical. But another aspect to this is your own continuous learning. I mean, the importance of real estate education, staying updated, industry changes, reading books, learning time management, learning communication skills, a lot of that is self-education. I started reading a ton of books, listening to audiobooks, and that helped me tremendously. 
Because while Daniel was teaching me real estate, I was studying wealth management, mindset, communication, follow-up, all of those concepts. I was studying on my own. I was getting the technical stuff from my mentor, but I needed the soft skills. You're going to need the soft skills. If you acquire the hard skills, but you don't have the soft skills, everyone's just going to think you're a jerk. And if you acquire the soft skills without the hard skills, without the technical knowledge, you're not going to know what you're talking about. And people are going to find out and they're not going to trust you. So the mentorship and education part is critical. Now, here's what I'll say with this. And I think that this is critical. It's important. I feel that a lot of people miss this. Getting good mentorship is expensive. It's expensive. And there are two ways that you can pay for it. You can either just pay for it and join a mastermind or a group. And I just had a call today with a mastermind who's kind of going over his stuff and it's $25,000 a year. And you can do that. If you're new, you probably don't have that kind of a budget. So you can pay for it in way number two, which is how I paid for it, which is in the form of splits. You will have a higher split at first because you don't know anything. Of course you're going to have a higher split because you don't know anything. You need to learn. So this is business. So... Your broker, your mentor, is a business person. What on earth would incentivize them to take the time to train you outside of actually making money? And that comes in the form of splits. When I started, Daniel would pay me $400 per client that closed. If they didn't close, I didn't make any money. Now, I'm not an idiot. I knew what the commissions were. I would show back then it was $200,000 homes. I remember $300,000 homes was like, holy cow, he's buying a $300,000 home. So I knew it was $6,000 checks, $8,000 checks, $9,000 checks. I knew this. He only paid me $400. And I was the one that was driving around, making the appointments, going with people, that was me. And I literally drove all around the state of Utah for five years. And on so many occasions, I would show someone 30 homes. And because I didn't have the skill set yet, they just wouldn't buy. They would just stop. And they would stop answering my phone calls and they would just ghost me. And it was incredibly frustrating because I didn't get paid for that. I only got paid for my closings, and it was $400. Then he upped it to $800. As I started to gain more skills, there was more things that I could do. Now I could not only do showings, but now I could submit offers and talk to agents and negotiate. There was, there was more that I could do. I had more, a more valuable skill set. I became more valuable. And even then, he only paid me 800 bucks. And then I continued to grow and I continued to learn and I continued to develop my skills. And then it was 35%. It was 35, 65, 35, me, 65, Daniel. He provided the lead and I basically did everything else. 
at that point. I did everything else at that point. I did showings. I wrote contracts. I negotiated with agents. I was at closing. 35-65. It costs money to be mentored correctly. But here's the interesting part. I never asked for a raise. Not once. Not once did I ask for more money. Because I just, I don't know, I, I, that just clicked for me. I just understood it. Yeah, of course I'm not going to make 100%. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get leads. He's getting the leads. I was just grateful, to be honest, because I saw all these other agents struggling. And I always had clients. He kept me busy for nine years. For nine years until I learned how to do it on my own. And later on, I'll tell the story of how I left that agency and it was kind of ugly. There were some bad feelings for a long time. But just talking brass tacks, I didn't have to worry about lead generation for nine years. And in the second half of those nine years, after I became principal broker, I was making six figures. I was making six figures. To me, it was a good gig. But the point that I want to make to you is that that mentorship and that education has a price. And if you want to truly win in this industry, you've got to be willing to pay that price. Too many rookies and sophomores in this game want to get paid like people that have been doing this for 20 years. You're not good enough yet. You're just not good. And that's okay. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. So in recap, you want to build that foundation. You want to know your market, research, understand those local real estate trends. You want to start thinking about your UVP, your unique value proposition. You're going to want to start networking, thinking about your existing network and how to expand that network to a certain subset of people. And you want to really dive into that mentorship and education, not only from a mentor, but also educating yourself. That's step number one. That's step number one. guys thank you so much for joining in to the how to be a realtor podcast if you found this helpful share it pass it on send it to your new real estate buddies and we'll see you in the next one